always locked on heat. Biscayne, South Beach. Goldberg and Ramil. Talking heat, body chill. Got the stats in the news. Got the facts in the views. Never know what they gon' say. Mailbag on a Monday. Pat Rouse got the pack round. Coach Spoke got the know how. Three bands in the raps now. Heat Nation, that's a packed house. Heat talk got the game time. Heat talk every day. I'm always locked on heat. Got it locked on heat. Always locked on heat. Keep it locked on heat. Seat geek for the cheek. What's the day got the heat? Locked on heat hopes. West Goldberg and David Ramil. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Wes Goldberg. I'm a writer for the Step Back and Miami Heat Tip Off Mag. I'm here as always with credentialed NBA writer David Ramil. We got the mailbag today. We had to push it back a day, but we've got it open. We're excited. Jeez. We're going to talk about Tyler Johnson. We're going to talk about Hassan Whiteside, of course, because how can we not? We're going to talk about Donovan Mitchell, because we have to. Um, so let's open up the first uh, mailbag question. How's that sound, David? That sounds great. I mean, Tuesday Transmission is one of my favorites. Tuesday Transmissions, that's right. Bring it back. Uh, our first transmission, Leon asks, Why is nobody talking about Tyler Johnson? Defensively, he's performing okay like the rest of the team. But offensively, he's settling for long twos and bad threes. His field goal percentage and his three-point percentage is down, and he doesn't seem to be able to get to the basket like he used to. Dion, Josh, and Justice are all coming off of injuries from last season, so you can understand somewhat them not getting better over the offseason. And Whiteside is dealing with a knee issue, but Tyler Johnson has no excuse. He should be playing much better than this. Wow. Some heat. There's some heat on that one. (laughs) Yeah. Um... You know, he does bring up a good point as far as Tyler Johnson's shooting numbers are concerned. It took a little bit of a, a dive on basketball reference. And, uh, you know, as he points out, he is taking a lot more long distance shots. Uh, it's kind of startling, actually. Do you have any guess as to how much of his offense is three point based at this point? So how many of his shots come from three point range? Yeah. 30%. Half. 49% of his shots come from three-point range at this point. That's good, right? Well, what's the rest of it? Is it all well, mid-range? Well, yeah, 51% is, is basically distributed among two-point range. He's taking 20% of his shots at the rim, uh, just under 10% uh, from 3 to 10 feet, and then a little bit over that from 10 to 16 feet. Um, and then from 16 to three-point uh, three range, about 14% of his shots come from that. So he's not taking many long twos. He's just actually at – he's kind of scattered in, in mid-range, short mid-range, if anything, yeah. taking some shots at the rim and then taking a lot more three-pointers than he ever did at any point. But as far as his getting to the rim is concerned, that's been in decline for a couple seasons. In his second year, 33% of his shots came at the rim. Last season, 26%. This year, like I said, just 20% of his shots at the rim. So he's definitely taking a lot less uh, up-close shots. Hmm. He's, he's, he's almost as if he's getting to he's, – he's like almost getting to the rim, but then he's stopping short for floaters or whatever it might yeah. be. That's what it kind of yeah. looks like, right? Yeah. And then, of course, he's just shooting worse from three-point range, and that's yeah. probably because of the higher volume of shots that he's taking from the perimeter. But just 32.3%, that's definitely a step back than what we thought. I and mean, if he's going to be taking that many shots, 
you'd kind of want it to balance out a little bit. Maybe, you know, he took he was 37 percent last season this year, 32, maybe somewhere in the middle. If he was 35, 36 percent, I think that would be yeah. a significant upgrade in his offense, you know, and, and he's taking a lot less free throws per game as well, despite the fact that he's playing just a, a slight uh, you know, decrease in minutes per game. He's down from 29.8 last year to 27.1 this year. As far as his free throws are concerned, he was taking 3.5 last season as compared to just 1.9 this year. Even though he's hitting them at a higher rate, 95% this year, he's taking a lot less per game, and that's a problem. You know, he handles the ball a, a good amount when Dragic is off the court. So it's not that. You know, it's not like he's not getting the opportunity to drive or do whatever it is that he wants to do offensively. Yeah. I think it's when the other guys are on the court, when Dion is on the court, or Tyler is on, or or, or Dragic is on the court. He basically becomes a, um, catch a, and shoot. a a catch and shoot guy, and they often play with three guards in situations where Tyler Johnson is basically the third guard. So with with either you know Josh Richardson and Dragic on the floor, or jo- or, or Waiters and Dragic on the floor, Tyler Johnson is playing quite a few minutes in that situation. Yeah. Um, so maybe he's not getting those opportunities there. But it's not a whole lot different than what the Heat were doing last year. And you you just rattled off a bunch of the numbers from last year. He was much better last year. I mean, just his points per game. He was 13.7 points a game last year, 9.6 points a game this year. Four points fewer per game. The Heat need those points. The Heat are missing yeah. those points. Um, and a lot of that is not... It's not a lack of opportunity, but even when he has the opportunity, he's not shooting well. You know, his shooting percentages are all down. And so it's not like... It's not like anybody's asking for him to take more shots right now. You know, if he was more efficient in the shots that he had, there it would make sense to give him the ball. And I think, you know, you think about last year. Well, it, well, this summer he mentioned that his his what he wanted to get better at was consistency. Those numbers are what they are last year because he would have stretches of games or or one-off games where he was just going off, where he was the hot hand. I just don't think we've seen that this year. If he has if he gets the hot hand, if he's going, the Heat will feed him. We have seen them do that with every player on this team. If he's got it going, the Heat will feed him. I just There haven't been many games where he has had it going like that. Over the stretch of the season, I think we'll get there. I think those averages will start to, to move up a little bit um, because he's going to have a good stretch. It's, we're, we're in the midst of a good Josh Richardson stretch. We're going to have a good Tyler Johnson stretch. We're going to get there at some point. I just I don't know when. Um, I just hope hopefully it's soon for this team, right? And that that, yeah. that to me is what really is is the difference. He's only scored over twenty points per game once this season in, in twenty two appearances. So uh, that was against San Antonio in late October. Uh, you know he's in a decent stretch now where he's averaging you know thirteen points I guess per game twelve yeah twelve point six per game over the last three games. You know he had thirteen against the Knicks. 12 against the Hornets and 13 against Golden State. Of course, then the game before against Cleveland, he had zero points. So um, still looking for some of that consistency, but hopefully he's on the upswing this season. Uh, you know, as far as his defense con- is concerned, I think he's doing I think he's doing a little bit more than OK. I think he's maybe he's not putting up as many steal numbers as, as before, um, but he. You know, Zach Lowe pointed out that some of those blocks at the rim are starting to, you know, they're, they're pretty impressive for a guy his size. He's always going to provide earnest defense. He does his best, but I think he's just, he's a little undersized, and I think that's going to be a problem. And I, and I think I, I'm wondering whether or not the, the commitment to the three-point range as opposed to the drive to the rim might be 
something that's actually been you know told for, from from you know from the front office or from the coaching staff to do because mm. he'll risk injury otherwise. And I wonder if that's impacting his defense as well. I'm I'm not sure. I I, I have no insight as to whether or not they've told him to just concentrate on being a catch and shoot guy as opposed to driving more of the rim. But I mean, uh, you know, he's he's always in danger of getting hurt because of the way he throws his body around because he's undersized. And so uh, at least this will preserve him for the long run. And hopefully the, the three-point shooting will start to pick up a little bit and then he'll be a little bit more consistent offensively. Next question is going to be about um, the white, effects from the white side injury. But first, uh, Locked on Heat still has some inventory for sponsorships this season. This is a great opportunity for local South Florida businesses to connect with Heat fans. Say you own a sports bar or a sports memorabilia store, or maybe you're a real estate agent or a contractor, and you're just you're unhappy with traditional advertising online or in print or whatever you're doing. You want something better. Know that podcast listeners are 65% more likely to engage with advertisers than from traditional media. Locked on Heat listeners are generally male, about 96%, and between the ages of 18 and 45. Our rates are reasonable, and they're based on the number of listens. This is an efficient use of your time and money. For more information on rates or for next steps, email us at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com, and we could be talking about your company right here on the show. All right, our next mailbag question. Billy asks, what is the ideal minutes allocation at the center position for this season if Whiteside keeps getting hurt and missing 7- and 14-day stretchers at a time? That's an interesting question. Um, Right now, against the Warriors, the Heat played... Kelly Olynyk for 28 minutes. They played Bam for 20 minutes. So those are right there. That's your full 48-minute allocation at center, right? So I expect that to be the case while Whiteside is out. But going back to Billy's question here, if Whiteside is getting injured, what does that look like when Whiteside is able to play? Do, do Whiteside typically plays between 32 and 33 minutes a game. So you start to maybe take his minutes down a little bit to try to keep him a little bit more fresh on a game-to-game basis, I could I could definitely see that. I absolutely could as well. I think that's uh, that's a way of ensuring that he maximizes his production while he's out there. It's not about getting him a quick hook. Look, look, you can in- insert him at different points, maybe three ten-minute stints throughout the game, as opposed to just one long one and then one short one. I mean. I, I don't know. It's up to Spolster to determine exactly how long he gets in there. But I think you have to start cutting down these minutes slowly and surely so that he knows he can't dick around while he's in there. It's <laughs> it's up to him yes. to set good screens, get in there, get fully engaged. And look, every game-to-game situation is different. And so you kind of have to feel whether or not he is engaged, whether or not he can take advantage of a certain mismatch. Um, and and that, you know, that'll change things considerably uh, based on those instances but for the most part, it's about getting him to be the most efficient version of himself possible. And I think you condense his minutes in order to get that. Here's what I do, specifically. Right. You know how Dragic comes out with like six or seven minutes into the first quarter? So like right about that five or six minute mark, right. uh, Tyler Johnson will come in for him? Right. I would take Dragic and Whiteside out at the same time. Mm-hmm. I would, And that way, you know, Dragic is getting his early rest, which apparently is something he likes. Um and Whiteside is coming out early because he gets to you get you get him in there for his rim protection early. You can kind of set a tone defensively, which he is good at, and and then you kind of yank him early. You know, you get him out of there early and say you get you get him seated next to Jawan Howard within five or six minutes of the game and say this is what you did right and this is what you did wrong. You took way too you took four lefty hook shots in the in the first five minutes of the game. I don't know why you did that. Don't do that. You missed a wide open 
Josh Richardson for a three uh, in front of you. Make sure you're kicking out while you're in the post. Blah blah blah. Whatever you, you just get, you get a quick side side conversation with him, and maybe that can kind of get him in the right zone. And you're and you're keeping him ready, alert, healthy with that quick hook. You're getting him just. You're getting him in there. You're setting a tone defensively. You're getting him out so that you can kind of rest him a little bit more. Plus, we know that the offense stalls when Dragic is out. So when you take Whiteside out at the same time, you you add Kelly Olynyk to that to that roster or to the lineup earlier, and maybe now you can get like a Dion Waiters Kelly Olynyk thing kind of going, and that offense doesn't stall out in the first quarter early in the game, and Miami doesn't get maybe hopefully Miami doesn't get out to those those slow offensive starts that they've been having um, quite as frequently. I think that's the move right there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and then he comes in. Faces second units, which he can terrorize on a regular basis. It's, it was just a couple of seasons ago when Amara Stoudemire was starting and Whiteside looked great coming off the bench. And he was just so much more effective beating up on, you know, less talented players. And that's just the reality. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it's one he might be prepared to deal with now. He can continue to boost his, his numbers. He can you know put up big stats and he can be much more effective. So it, it, I think it helps everybody, yeah. to be honest with you. I, I don't see why he'd be opposed to a move like this. Yeah, you get to see what the team looks like against you know against the opposing starters with Whiteside in there and with right. Kelly in there. So you can kind of you know stagger your lineups and, and play the mismatches a little bit more too. Um, DW writes, every game I watch without his son Whiteside, it's a layup drill for the other team. Every freaking game. Stop trying to trade him. He's nope. essential to the defensive component of this team. Maybe Golden State can get away with an undersized center for large stretches, but newsflash, we're not Golden State. I love this. I love this. I don't, we don't need to spend a whole lot of time on this because you're absolutely right, DW. We're not Golden State. Um, but we're not going to stop trying to trade Whiteside either. Yeah. <laughs> We've got I an agenda that w, on this show. Yeah, I wonder if that W stands for Whiteside, you know? <laughs> NDW. Um, you know, you're right, uh, DW. I mean... He does may have a major impact defensively, but at the same time, you have to be prepared for the the potential of moving on from him, and and adapting to the way the league is in today's climate. And I think you can get a lot more versatile and perhaps even a better team with a higher ceiling with guys like Olinick and, and and Adebayo out there, and and seeing them and maximizing their ability and transitioning from a Hassan Whiteside based defense, I think would help too. You've got. You've got a great core there with James Johnson, Justice Winslow, even Tyler Johnson, you know, Deion Waiters to some degree, and of course Josh Richardson. Guys that are very versatile, can switch onto a number of players. Um, and I think with that core there, the one guy that stands out is unfortunately Hassan Whiteside. He's just not very mobile. He can't guard guys on the on the perimeter. And so that changes the way things are. When you've got five out offenses throughout the league. What is Whiteside or a player like Whiteside to do? I mean, he's going to get maximized. Either you're going to get killed at the rim, or you're going to get killed at the in, you know at the three point line. And I think either way, uh, you want to try and find guys that can do both. And I think a guy like Adebayo and perhaps Olenek can do both. Yeah, and this what, what you're talking about and what DW are talking about are two different things. I think what you're and I'm leaning more towards you, but I think what DW is looking at is short term. And what you're what you're saying and accurately is that. Long term, it's better off if this team does trade Whiteside because you get more minutes for Bam. You get this team in uh, practicing a five-out type, uh, a five-out defense, and everything like that, and you get them used to that, and you're able to develop some of these guys. Whiteside's ceiling has been reached. That's it. Yep. He is as good as he can get. This is 
mentally, he is just not going to get better. I, and we've and I don't know how much more of this we have to see for other people to come to that conclusion. Now, some people might just say he doesn't need to get better. Okay, that's fair. But how does this team get better then? And that's right. what we're kind of saying. That if if we traded Whiteside today, the Heat get worse. The Heat just the Heat are a worse team without Whiteside right now. But in the future, they could be better. And that's what we're talking about here. Is that it? Just makes more sense. This team going moving forward makes more sense without Whiteside, especially if you consider what you might be able to get for Whiteside on the trade market. If you are able to bring in another wing player that can handle some of the scoring load or something like that, that would be huge for this team. So it's it's not that Whiteside isn't effective when he's in there, but it's there's an opportunity cost, and that's what we're talking about here. Um, you look at teams that can get away with playing traditional centers. You look at Heat fans are going to hate me for this, but they already hate they hate us for talking about trading Whiteside anyway. You look <laughs> at what Utah is able to do with Rudy Gobert. They are able to function with a traditional center like Gobert because he does other things. He is a great screen setter. He is a decent passer. He he rolls hard to the rim. He doesn't just immediately turn around and look for a post up. He rolls like Bam does. He rolls with his shoulders facing the rim towards the rim as opposed to Hassan Whiteside who just spins around immediately after setting a screen and looks to get a post up 15 feet away from the basket. Those guys, they do those other things that make them playable. Even if Rudy Gobert can't defend guys on the perimeter like Whiteside can't. You know what I mean? Like he can't do it either. But he is just as good as a rim protector as Whiteside, but does those other little things offensively that make him playable that Whiteside just does not do and can't and, and just has shown an un- unwillingness to do. Okay, maybe, maybe he does. Maybe it for Utah's a guard. guards are a little bit more patient than Wes. <laughs> That's true. We're going to talk about one of them too. Um, so let's just go. Let's move on to that right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but first, make sure that you are subscribed to Locked on Heat on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, Make sure that you are subscribed so that you can get the show every day. Uh, and make sure, while you're at it, leave us a review on iTunes. It helps other Heat fans discover the show. We really ap- appreciate it. Check out the rest of what the Locked On Podcast Network has to offer, including shows for every NBA and NFL team, plus Locked On Fantasy Basketball. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Chico Rito Marito. Let me let me try that one. Let me try. Chico Rito Marito writes via Twitter. Watching Donovan Mitchell makes me feel ill inside. Hashtag Heat Life. And then Mark writes in. Imagine if we didn't get snaked out of Donovan Mitchell. So wow. two questions via Twitter about Donovan Mitchell. Who on on Friday night? Um, as Miami's offense struggled against the Charlotte Hornets, even without Kemba Walker, Donovan Mitchell was putting up 41 points in a victory. So uh, it looks pretty good. The 13th pick in the draft last year has certainly had a pretty solid season as a rookie. What do you think about Mitchell and, and, and his impact in Utah? Chicarito Marito. There you go. You nailed it. Um, look, man, like, I don't know. I really wanted Donovan Mitchell. I'm sure with Chikorito Marito. I'm with Mark, man. Like, I really wanted Donovan Mitchell. Everybody that listened to this show over the summer, you know, they know that you and I, we go, we go, we lean into the NBA draft hard. We love the NBA draft. We did, we did a lot of draft prep um, going into the Justice Winslow draft. Remember, right. Kelly Oubre was my guy. Um, we went. Donovan Mitchell was your guy this past Donovan year. Donovan Mitchell was my guy this past year. I thought he could be the 
one of the best guards out of this loaded guard class. I love Donovan Mitchell. And on draft night, when it looked like the that Donovan Mitchell was going to slide, because first Malik Monk slid down to Charlotte, right? And once that okay. happened, and then Detroit, they ended up taking Luke Kennard. Oh. And I'm like, oh my God, we're going to get Donovan Mitchell. Yes. Denver doesn't need Donovan Mitchell. And they traded out of the pick. Utah slid up. They, 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 they Like Mark said, snaked. They snaked the heat out of Donovan Mitchell. I was just... I was inconsolable when it was happening. And then the Heat drafted this guy I never heard of. <laughs> Bam had to bio. After all right. of my after all of my serious draft prep. Um look, I wanted I really wanted Donovan Mitchell. And I still really want Donovan. I love Bam. We just got done talking about Bam. Yeah. I, I love Bam Adebayo. I love what he could do defensively. I think he's got worlds of potential. I love that the Heat drafted him as opposed to anybody else that was available. I really I think he was the best pick that they could have gotten. But man, Donovan Mitchell would have been dope. Like he is good, and he is going to be really good. He is he is not going to be as good as maybe a Russell Westbrook or a James Harden as far as a scoring guard goes. I just don't think he has that just natural athleticism. But man, he is going to be like right there. He's going to be right there. He is going to be an all star for several years. You know, he. Uh... He's just gotten a really good opportunity in Utah. And I wonder, you know, if he would have gone that same kind of opportunity in Miami. Obviously, if you draft Mitchell, you probably don't have to re-sign waiters. That's what we and that's and we talked about that in our in over the summer, right? Is in mock drafts when we did it, we thought, you know, the Heat, if they get a guard, whether it's Monk, Kennard, Mitchell, whoever it might be, Waiters is probably gone. So yeah, you're right. Um but then I wonder I wonder if he winds up starting. I, I mean in or maybe you sign somebody else to kind of fill the gap in between. Do you move Tyler Johnson up to the starting role? Wayne Ellington, then, maybe something like that. Yeah. yeah, that's it's interesting. You know, so much of of a player comes from fit and opportunity. And right now, with Gobert out, with Ricky Rubio not really doing much offensively, um, with the guys struggling, Rodney Hood, you know, was struggling mm-hmm. for Utah, and then he was sent to the bench, and all of a sudden you insert. Mitchell in there and he all of a sudden takes a huge leap forward um I don't know if that same leap would have happened in Miami you know uh, he did seem to force his way into the rotation in Utah and look you you talked to Donovan Mitchell recently you wrote a really great piece with a step back on him um and then Zach Lowe recently wrote about the Utah Jazz and specifically Donovan Mitchell and a, a common thread between your piece and Zach's was that he seems mature and he see and he tries really hard and he really tries hard to be good and not only be good but be better at the things he's not so good at already and i in Zach Lowe's piece he was writing about look hey you didn't make this pass in in this you didn't make this this open pass that you should have made in the next in the next game Donovan Mitchell went out there and made that pass you know what i mean those yeah. are just the sort of things that I think the Heat coaching staff would really appreciate it. And given that Josh Richardson did not start the year off really great, given that Tyler Johnson still hasn't found his groove, given that Waiters has not played all that well outside of the last five minutes of a game, I think Mitchell would have forced his way into the rotation and forced his way into some playing time. I really do. And if he did, he has those things that make him playable that the Heat staff look for. He's got a seven-foot wingspan? Are you kidding me? Like, defensively, he's already there. And that's why one of the reasons we liked him so much going into the draft, why we wanted him so much, defensively, he's got it. Done. Period. He's good. 
Like, he's ready to play at the NBA level. I just didn't expect he'd be this good offensively right away. And you're right. Maybe he doesn't get that opportunity to score 41 points in a game. I don't <laughs> care about the 41 points. That just... That, that's a headline. That's all that is. That's a headline. That gets us talking about this, and that gets people sending us uh, tweets and mailbag questions about it. But I've been watching Donovan Mitchell all year. I love him. He's going to be one of the best players in the draft, and Utah is lucky to have gotten him where they got him. No doubt. I mean, he certainly makes that team better, and he sure, you know, their, their ceiling goes up considerably higher with, with Mitchell on that roster. So, I mean... He would have been the kind of long-term piece that Miami could build around, not just this year, but in the future. And maybe we don't see those kinds of signs early on. That's not to say that Adebayo won't be that player, but for now, you know, I think I think, you know, for a backcourt player to have a guy like Mitchell as opposed to a guy like Dragic, who's over 30, a guy like Waiters, who's been struggling with consistency, to have a guy like Mitchell in your backcourt that you can build around, not just now, but for years to come, probably would have been something that Miami fans would really appreciate right now. I think you could. it's a little bleak in the backcourt. You're not really sure what you're going to get out of Waiters long-term. You sign him to a four-year deal, he'll be just shy of 30 by the time he finishes that deal. You know, For a guy like Mitchell, who's, what, 21 now and, and is going to continue to get better, I think, you know, he's, he's, he's struggling in some ways. You know, That was one of the things that I wrote about in my piece was he's adjusting to playing point guard. He's adjusting to figuring out how to play alongside teammates. But you're absolutely right, and, and I got a lot of that, too, that, that you mentioned as far as Zo, uh, Zach Lowe's piece is concerned. He is studying film, like, religiously. Uh, you know, he sits with Snyder almost after every practice and goes through things that he didn't do right. And, and everybody that I talked to about him said the same thing, that he's just – he attacks film with an incredible, voracious appetite, always wants to get better, and that's the kind of thing that makes him – great at this point and won't continue to make him better there's two things that stuck out to me about that as you said he's struggling right now if this is what he looks because he's adjusting to the nba life and a new role if this is what he looks like when he's struggling holy crap and the second thing is that look all that you know just having a diet of game film that that he brought the heat culture to utah that's what that sounds like to me so he would have fit in perfectly here man i'm look i'm sorry that i i I'm 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 not here to make anybody feel better. I would have loved Donovan Mitchell, and, I, and it's nothing against Bam. I have nothing. I love Bam Adebayo. He's one of my favorite players on the team already. But man, Donovan Mitchell's gonna be really good. Um, well, listen, it's breaking news from uh, Adrian Wojnarowski over at ESPN. DeAndre Jordan has added something he hasn't had in two years: an agent. Oh, so it looks like Jordan might be angling for uh, a potential trade then. So be on the lookout. Wow. A friend of the program, Roden and Carney, wrote for the crossover about potential trades for DeAndre Jordan, Cleveland being one team, uh, Milwaukee, Minnesota being another. Um, so a lot to look out for. Of course, we've thrown our hat in the ring. I wonder if Pat Riley's listening. We hope he is. Well, I think we should talk about that more on the next episode. Uh, that'll be out for Wednesday morning. Our next game, the Heat have a few nights off, or uh, a couple nights off between the last game and, and their next game. So hopefully... Uh, they will be prepared for Wednesday in San Antonio. Um, we'll have one show before that, and then we'll have a recap after that one. Uh, but for now, that's all we have for today. Thank you for listening. You can send mailbag questions for next week and inquire about advertising on the show by sending an email to LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. Tweet your questions and comments for our recaps using the hashtag AskLOHeat. 
Make sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play to get podcasts automatically every day. Then go to iTunes, rate us, review us, say nice things about us. Theme song is by CeeLo Keys. Outro music is courtesy of Mojave Wild. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining me, David. Getting an agent. I'm seeking a trade. <laughs>